CJ here, and this is The Sound of Black and Brown. Thank you so much for tuning in. I truly appreciate your continued support and encouragement. Your solidarity is very important to the movement and the empowerment of black and brown people. So on today's show, we're going to be talking about something that is really important. We must resist DeSantis. What this man is doing in Florida is not only dangerous, but it will encourage a war. And we need to defend our black and brown people. We also need to realize that what's happening in Florida isn't that far-fetched. And us here in Connecticut, it could happen here too. We had Republican leadership for a long time. And that left behind a lot of conservative ways. The question is, what are we going to do about it? You see, on the outside, Connecticut purports as being so progressive. But truly, it is a fight to progress forward. And for reasons that do not make sense to diversity, equity, inclusivity, or belonging, we seem to feel that if it is not done the white way, it cannot be done at all. And that is so wrong. If there's any other time in history, aside from, you know, the so-called abolition of slavery, as we start to think about what they refer to as Juneteenth, I want you to ask yourself, are you free? Are you really free? I mean, what does freedom mean to you? To some people, freedom means owning a gun and having that power. To some people, freedom means being able to walk around with a gun and exercising that power. I'm not a big fan of that. And I'll tell you what, there's a big difference between the right to own a gun versus gun control. And whether you like to hear it or want to hear it or not, I'm going to tell you anyway, we have a problem with guns. Guns in America have more rights than black, brown, indigenous, disabled, elderly, Asian people. Imagine that. Guns have more rights than sex workers. Guns have more rights than fast food employees. Guns have more rights than domestic workers. Guns have more rights than the people who have no access to health care. Guns have more rights than the homeless. Guns just have rights, you know. And we have to really acknowledge that. We have to pay attention that in Florida, they expanded their Second Amendment so that you could have this right. Meanwhile, here in Connecticut, we're afraid to revise the Constitution so that we could tax places like Yale and actually have some type of real progress. What does progress mean to you? Does progress mean that, you know, well, if you have, if you could get it, is it, is it equality? If you could get it and I could get it, it's fair? Or is progress when you realize that, yeah, I could get it if I have these other tools and opportunity That's equity we're talking about now. What does that mean to you? Most of the mass shootings that have happened in history were orchestrated by white people. That's not me being anything other than factual. Okay? Here's the thing with gun ownership in black and brown neighborhoods. It's made to seem that we are criminal, and therefore anytime we have a gun, it's something criminal. Whereas we are yet to criminalize white society in that way, despite knowing that A lot of gun violence has and continues to happen in those communities as well. 
Many theorists have sat down and spent the time in their lives to try to figure out the minds of these shooters, you know, and really it comes down to one thing. They want to get that notoriety. They want to get acknowledged. We need to focus on the victims, and we need to really change that narrative. And we need to protect our society and our people more. Why are we sitting here allowing this to continue? Why do we see no problem with guns having more privileges than black, brown, indigenous, disabled, elderly, and Asian people? Why is that not a problem? A gun has more rights than Muslims. A gun has more right than a sex worker. A gun has more right than a trans person. You don't see a problem with that? I see a lot of problems with that. And to know that the people, most of the people who commit these mass shootings, they did it for what? You think they cared about, you know, the law when they did these mass shootings? No. They did it for notoriety or promoted or encouraged or incited by a sense of wanting notoriety to go down in history. And as the document, the documentary um, showed, you know, that's the problem. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of Charlie Min. He is a great producer and filmmaker, and he produces some really good documentaries on mass shootings and, you know, tragic events of that you know, that type of thing. Um, he's covered, you know, the woman in Mexico, you know, the whole ordeal that was with the missing women and girls and how, you know, this went on for years. It's still going on now. No answers have been given. No no real resolutions have happened. He highlights these tragedies and he stresses the importance of, you know, really sharing the stories of the victims, which I really, truly appreciate because he's right. Most often with these mass shootings, the shooter is who gets remembered. We remember the shooter, we remember those details, but we don't think about the victims, the innocent people. For example, as in the case of the shooting that I just described, um, you know, at the McDonald's, a baby was killed. How do you how do you shoot at an eighth month old baby? Who does that? So I don't see that we need to really explore their minds, I think that's pretty much cut and dry. What you don't hear enough about is how does the, re the community recover from that? How do the loved ones and the people who are closest to the affected recover from that? You don't hear about that. You hear about why, you know, the shooter did what he did, and you hear about their life and all their suffering and all the stuff you really didn't want to hear about anyway, because at this point you should be pissed off enough to say, okay, when are we going to get control of this situation? So I say all of that to say that if you consider what's happening in Florida, I mean, listen, let's not forget that slave owners had no problems shooting slaves in front of everybody. Let's not forget slave catchers used guns to catch slaves. Let's not forget slaves were shot up at and hung from trees. Right, And let's not forget that right now in Florida, there's a lot of hate crimes happening still, still. Florida's a very diverse place to an extent. But the problem here with allowing people to walk around with concealed weapons is now you just gave them a permit 
to exercise their heat. And let's not forget, even if the gun owner themselves, as was the case with Sandy Hook and many other places, the parent or the caregiver or whoever might be an avid gun owner and see nothing wrong with it, it doesn't mean they'll be the one committing the mass shooting or the crime. That doesn't mean that at all. See, because if you put that in front of someone who is already mentally unwell, you really just add in more elements to their mental confusion. You're giving them a false sense of power. You're making them believe that, you know, all right, if I could commit this crime, I could finally do something that would give me the acknowledgement that I did not have. Because as, you know, the theorists have said, the bottom line is this. A lot of the people who do these mass shootings did it for the goal of recognition. That's the word. Meanwhile, the victims, we don't hear that type of analysis all the time. And so I really appreciate the work of Charlie Min because folks like himself who tell the narrative from the other perspective that's lesser told is so important. And that's something here in the Sound of Black and Brown that we really want to do. This is a space where we should feel comfortable and free to say how we feel about oppression, how mad we are about white supremacy, and be fearless in sharing our utmost distaste for the lack of diversity, equity, inclusivity, and belonging that does not exist. Because it, it really makes you sit here, it boggles my mind. I mean, Martin March, Malcolm March, the Panthers, we have so many great civil rights actions and movements. And we should know as black and brown people that because of that, they're going to be even more adamant, they being the white supremacists, um, are going to be more adamant and more determined, I should say, to control our narrative and our capacity. And that's why what we have to do, we have to maintain each other and we have to tell our truth, okay? Don't speak like one who yields. Speak real. It's okay. Stop apologizing for speaking in your truth or being emotional or whatever it is they tell you that you're doing that they're going to make you feel bad about. Don't do that anymore. Speak in your truth. Right now in Florida, we have many brothers and sisters who are trapped down there because they're, you know, they now have to live in this state that has this law coming into fruition July 1st. And unfortunately, the mass media has done a really good job of ensuring that their story is not told, of ensuring that it is perpetuated as if these folks are overreacting. It is perpetuated as if, well, no, it's not that big of a deal. The guns are only going to be owned by the law-abiding citizen. That is bullshit, right? You think everybody who committed a mass shooting was a law-abiding citizen? Do you think they really cared about the law? DeSantis is opening the playing field for racists and hate crimes, and he's getting support doing it. If you think Trump was bad, he's even worse. This should not be a conversation about the lesser of the two evils. We need to stop talking like that. Why do we have to entertain evil at all? Why Why do we feel this need? Why do we feel that if we don't entertain one, we'll lose everything? Why don't we see what our ancestors fought for? They didn't fight for an alternative. They fought for their whole rights. And we need to do the same, and we need to get up and stand up. 
right now in 2023, we should have more unrest. We should have more people out in the streets. But you know what happened was, right, because of the mass media, because of the way a lot of the, you know, contemporary movements, I should say, has been perpetuated, people don't want to participate anymore. People don't want to go out there and feel like they're going to be embarrassed or more so you show up to a march because this happened to me a few times, right? Where you show up to a rally, it says it's about black and brown lives and all the things you love to hear. But then when you get there, it's a bunch of white people. And you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You just told me that this march is about our lives. So why are they taking the forefront? Why do we feel like we need them to lead our cause? I never will understand that. I don't get it. I genuinely don't. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have white allies, but we should remember what Brother Malcolm X said. We should be wary of the man who leans on the whites to run their movement because we just open up the door for them to take back what we're fighting for, and we need to really understand what that means. And I don't know if we really do because certainly if we did, what happened in Florida would not be happening. Florida needs help right now. Part of the problem is, too, because of COVID, a lot of people became disconnected and disenchanted by the news. So they don't want to hear or see the news anymore. They don't care. They don't want to know it because they figure what I don't know won't hurt me. But that's exactly what it's doing. What you don't know is hurting you. And by you not, you know, being involved and engaged and intrigued, look at what's about to happen. Florida is a diverse community right? You have people from all different backgrounds down there. You could find Latinos, West Indians, Muslims, Indians, you name it, they're down there. It's a nice melting pot of culture and community. But the problem is, it also has a history of white supremacy, okay? There's a reason why Billie Holiday wrote that song, Strange Fruit. When you get a chance, go look it up and listen to it. That's still a song that's relevant today. And if we're not careful, what she sang about, and what she sang about is what she saw and what she knew about back when she was out there. What she said back then might be relevant today if we don't resist DeSantis. This is dangerous, people. What he's doing right now, he's building up a big war. He is just adding the gasoline and empowering white power. We have to be conscious and recognize that, you know, white supremacy never went away. It just got revised. It is no secret, and it should be known that white power groups have been growing over the past few years. They have their meetings, they have their goals, they have their tasks, they organize, and they exercise their hate. In Florida right now, the media is attempting to divert from what is happening in Florida, which is exactly what I'm saying. There's hate crimes happening that are not being reported, right? And we have to take this into context for what it is, and we have to deal with it. The NAACP did not issue that warning by mistake. They probably, if anything else, had a lot of difficulty leading up to that point. Why do I say that? Because I'm pretty sure they know of and knew of other situations that were happening. And they attempted to get the media involved to say, look, you need to talk about this. And they refused. So 
the NAACP relied on itself and said, no, we're going to issue a travel ban and we're going to make it known nationally. They did not do that by mistake. They did that because they're trying to warn us. And you have to ask yourself, why? So, yes, so we have to pay attention to what's happening in Florida. We have to pay close attention. And especially us here in the Northeast, especially us here in places like Connecticut, because we swear in Connecticut that we're so different and we're so unique, and we're really not. You have to remember something, my friends. Connecticut was a Republican state for a very, 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 very long time. And that wasn't being done by mistake either. That happened because that's the way the general population voted, and that's the type of leadership they desired for a long time. The cost of that was the normalization of conservative talk. And for that reason, you know, Connecticut might seem progressive, but it really isn't. We're progressive to a certain point. We're progressive as far as the conservatives allow us to be. We're progressive as long as the white, the, you know, the white people get what they want and the black people and the brown people shut up. That's as progressive as we get. Here in Connecticut, there have been some real aggressive efforts by the government to ensure that our voices are not heard. You know, right now in New Haven in particular, one of the things that happened over the last six months was the city of New Haven thought it would be a fantastic idea to suddenly start charging for FOIs, meaning Freedom of Information Requests. Now, what's so hilarious about that, the first word in the term is freedom. But they are alleging that the reason they have to do this is because it takes all this time to compile the data and all the work that goes into it. First of all, first of all, if you have to do that much work for data that should have already been there, that sounds like a whole heap of crap to me. That sounds like somebody is doing a really terrible job of trying to cover up what's not happening. That's what that sounds like to me. And what's more alarming about this is that this decision was made and decided upon and very quietly to and supported by people who should have our backs and our interests. You see, because what it is with the city of New Haven, they do not want you to submit an FOI request. They do not want you to ask the questions because you see when you do that, when people ask questions, they build their knowledge. When you build your knowledge, you have a different kind of power now. And they don't want to see that happen. So instead what they're going to do, they're going to gatekeep the living shit out of everything, which is why now they're going to say, oh yeah, we get like 10,000 requests per year. First of all, first of all, if you are getting that many requests for FOIAs, then you might want to think about maybe restructuring your you know, your departments and ensuring that you have the right people doing the work. And if there's a lag time between the request and the production of what was requested, then you might want to sit down and think about your own processes. Saying that there is a fee for FOIs is just beyond ridiculous. But the fact that people are not willing to question or challenge it is scary. I sit here and I wonder, what would Martin think? What would Malcolm think? What would Huey think about all of this? Because it's not making sense. What do you think they would have done if they found out that Governor Ron DeSantis decided to have a private meeting and put in a gun law that could potentially kill and destroy many lives? What do you think they'll say to that? What do you think they'll say to that knowing that inadvertently what will end up happening is 
the black or brown teenager who gets caught with the gun will be cited as not being or made to be seen as not law-abiding by some radical out of nowhere something that happened in who knows when because this is how they legitimize how they abuse us right this is why we have prisoners sitting in jails with bullshit sentences because when they decide you need to be guilty they'll figure out ways to make you guilty even when you're innocent believe that and that's what's happening right now and we need to understand the ramifications of these things because the fact of the matter is my friends if we allow them to do this Many, many lives, many, many, you know, communities are going to get destroyed. Now, some might say, well, they already signed it into law, it's too late. No, it's not. No, it's not. We here who are in states that are outside of Florida could help those who are in Florida by building awareness of this. Here in Connecticut, right, yeah, we have gun laws, but we still have a big-time problem with ghost guns. Did you know? That, you know, I believe I mentioned this before, but just in case, you know, you could make a gun with a 3D printer. You know, people think that, oh, yeah, well, you can't buy a gun online, so I don't understand what the problem is. Here's the thing. If I could make the general chamber of the gun with a 3D printer, the main part, and I apologize if I just jeopardized or fucked up the name of that. I mean, I'm not claiming to be a gun expert, but the main chamber where the firing happens and everything else, the main part, if you could make that on a 3D printer, all you need to do after that is order the rest of the parts online, and now you have a gun. That's scary. That means if a kid could get access to a credit card, guess what they could do? They could make the base, you know, with a 3D printer, and then they could get all the other pieces online. We say that we learn so much from the mass shootings, but I dare to say if we did, then what's being allowed in Florida would not happen. And guess what? DeSantis knows how to lean on his fellow Republicans. I've said this before. Republicans, you got to give them credit for one thing, and I'm not meaning to give them a compliment. I'm just speaking the truth. Here's the thing about Republicans. They'll stick together. They'll make sure that this thing happens. They will make sure that, you know, um, what they need to happen goes that way. They'll tell you whatever you want to hear. Trust that. I've stood and spoken to Republicans who lied in my face. Yes, I'll support that bill. But then the day of the actual vote, they did the complete opposite. So I'm not one who's going to sit here and, you know, purport or support a group of people who clearly don't give a crap about me. What I will do is encourage the Democrats to step up. You have to step up. You could no longer sit there and sit by. Stop the crap. Stop the nonsense. And you need to make it possible for more and more black and brown people to be representatives and senators and so forth. Because here's the thing, and this is why people like Ron DeSantis get as far as they do. He has the financial aptitude to run for office. He has the money in his back pocket. He could pay for his own campaign start to finish, I'm pretty sure, because he has that financial security. But the guy or the woman or whoever down the street who doesn't have that, who, how do they end up, you know, how can they be part of a process that does not include them? There's no way for them to get in there. They have to go find funding. 
they have to get support with that. And all of that sounds easy enough, except when the ones who fund you do not want to do what you want to do. So now it becomes a big circus show, right? Let's take it back to Florida. Now, aside from the fact that Ron DeSantis has, you know, encouraged and then passed the law regarding carrying a concealed gun, he also banned teaching black history in the schools. That is crazy. That's crazy. I'm telling you, this man is setting things up for a war down there because he's making very aggressive, you know, I'm going to make up a word, segregative. Is that a word? I don't know. I can't think of a word. But he's dividing, and he's making it clear, black and white. Now, over Memorial Day weekend, yes, there was that shooting in Florida where nine people were shot at. But interestingly, the press had no problem giving nonstop, you know, uh, square by square, however you want to phrase it, footage minute-by-minute, second-by-second footage of that. Because why? It was a black man shooting another black man. So that right there will get all the footage and analyses and everything else, right? It will get that. But Ron DeSantis having a private meeting and signing a gun law into effect, you had to hear about it to hear about it. See? What's wrong with that picture? I thought we said that we had freedom of speech out here. These people were just allowed to expand the Second Amendment to meet their selfish, white supremacist needs. And yet, we have people saying we need to overturn Roe v. Wade and shit like that. I mean, it makes no sense to me whatsoever. It makes no sense to me. But here in Connecticut, we should not ever think that we're not that far behind Florida because in Connecticut, while we do have gun laws, we still need to improve it because we need to control the access to guns. That's a big problem. Ghost guns are a huge problem. What I just mentioned about making the gun from a 3D printer, that is a ghost gun. And we have a problem with that here in Connecticut. And we need to address it. Stop acting like it's not happening. It's happening. It happened. It's not past tense. It's current tense. Right? It went past tense. It's still happening. So we have to say enough is enough. And the thing about it is, right, here's the thing about gun control. The way that this image is painted, it's painted where the black and brown people who own the guns that are, they're caught with are automatically criminalized because the way that the media plays this out, you make it as if we're the ones who are irresponsible with the guns. We're killing each other. We're doing this. We're doing that. First of all, you very rarely see black or brown people doing a mass shooting. All right? And even if we did one, I hate to be the one to tell you all, very rarely do you see any type of analyses or coverage or understanding of why did they do what they did. The empathy is not there. I've said this before. Capitalism is successful when there's a lack of empathy. And with black and brown people, it has been systemically made that we do not get that empathy because we deserve what we get for reasons we didn't even create. Right? And here's the thing, what Ron DeSantis is doing right now, he's recreating that wheel, okay? He already siloed Florida as far as the media is concerned. He already made sure that the coverage coming out of Florida is, you know, tilted in his direction. It gives the impression that this is what all Floridians want. They're all happy about it. I'm not the crazy guy. I'm not a white supremacist. 
They want to be safe. People are bad. Crime is up. That was done by design, right? What's going to happen is it's going to turn into a way to criminalize, stigmatize, and, you know, oppress black and brown people even more. That's what's going to happen. We're going to see more cases of people getting arrested, charged, and otherwise. Most of them are going to be black or brown. And it's going to be validated. And then add to that, they're going to say, well, you know, we know we need to hire more police because, you know, we have these guns out here and we need to make sure that we have police to make sure it doesn't happen. Now, he's very confident in his conviction because he's citing that, you know, Texas was just so successful. But here's the thing about Texas. For the most part, what happens in Texas stays in Texas. If you don't believe me, ask everybody who listens to country music, right? Because even in terms of its music, you don't hear as much about certain things with Texas as you do with other things. That The media control is all done by design. That's a form of gatekeeping. That's done on purpose. That's the reason why we see black and brown uh, creators on social media being attacked all the time because when we try to tell our stories, now we get trolled, we get reported, you know, we're victims to the algorithm, even though what we're producing has nothing in no way, shape, or form to do with any of that. But it's made to seem that way by design. And what we need to do, we need to stop allowing that to go on, okay? We need to, you know, realize that we are the media. And we don't need these people to do that. We just need to believe in each other enough to make it happen. That's what really, really needs to happen. And then we need to help out our brothers and sisters, like, you know, going back to Florida. Connecticut should not be sitting here thinking that it could not happen here. It could absolutely happen in Connecticut. It could absolutely happen in Connecticut that they decide to expand the Second Amendment, allow gun ownership, and allow anything to happen. And then what they'll do, just like what Florida is doing, they will make it so that when you see anything relative to gun ownership or the misuse of guns, pin it on the black people. Show how criminal they are. Pin it on the brown people. Show how uncontrolled they are. That's what they do, and we need to stop that from happening. We need to stop DeSantis. He's the devil. And we cannot sit here and say, well, he's better than Trump, because he really, really is not. One is not better than the other. Okay? We need to stop thinking and talking and acting like that, because... That is to our detriment. It's not to our benefit. We need to really, really, really re-examine how we say and do certain things when it comes to that. I'm not saying you shouldn't have white allies. I'm not saying you shouldn't have white friends. But there's a big, big difference between solidarity and equity versus equality and being tolerant. Big difference. If you're in solidarity with me, and we're equitable, you would have no problem with ensuring that I'm uplifted and supporting me. But you see, when you're more concerned with you being the center of it and with you being seen and heard, you wouldn't want me to have that, and you'll do whatever you need to do to ensure I don't, right? Hence the reason why this whole thing with the FOIs in New Haven is a problem. The city knows that they are gatekeeping information, and they're doing it purposely because here's the thing. People are asking questions about government, and they have the right to know. It's called freedom of information for a reason. It's called out for a reason. It's not an ambiguous term. It's supposed to be freedom of information, which 
should include it being literally free. And if you find that you're getting a lot of requests, then you have to sit down and ask yourself, is it that I'm getting a lot of requests because people just want to know about things? Or is it that I need to really sit down? And maybe some of these concerns here are things that I need to really sit down and address, right? One has to wonder what the freedom of information in Florida look like. I cannot imagine that Ron DeSantis is building up, you know, this warfare, and there are not people asking questions. But what I can imagine is that the media and affiliated government parties will do their best job to gatekeep and to ensure that certain bits of information and other things are not known. And that is so, so sad. It is so sad, right? I mean, I don't know what else to say. I can only encourage you to do your research on Florida and to ask questions and to tell the stories and to push back and to say, look, we need to stop DeSantis, right? Because if you think allowing this will prevent Trump from becoming powerful, or if you feel like, well, Trump is about to go into you know, his hearing, so he's not thinking about us, so we don't need to worry. That's not how this is going to go. This is a whole chessboard, and they're setting up their pieces. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to sit there and let your pride prevent you from doing what should happen? Or are you going to sit there and only wait till it affects you to do something? Or are you going to say, no, we need to do something, and we need to do something now? We could help the people in Florida. Tell the story. Talk about why we need gun control. Talk about why racism is bad. Tell people to make racism wrong again. Tell people we need to get mad when, you know, people are promoting hate crimes. Talk about the young man who lost his life because he was chased and killed by three white men for nothing. Nothing. Not one thing. Talk about the fact that they're sitting here, you know, talking about, oh, yeah, it's going to be okay if people have guns because, you know, we have laws that prevent them from having it in certain places. Guess what? What's going to prevent somebody from getting one in Disneyland? What What do you think is going to happen? Do you think they're going to be successful, or do you think they're going to figure out a way to get around, the, you know, the whole system? Because that's the thing. I have not seen a mass shooting that was coordinated with the police, unless I missed it. If I did, please send it to me. Have you? Have you seen a mass shooting where they said, oh, yeah, let me call on to the police department and find out all the rules and everything and abide those rules, and then... And then I'll call them back and see if they'll give me permission to kill everybody. That's not how that goes. People who commit these crimes, these mass shootings, they don't give a flying fuck about the law. They don't care about where you can and cannot have a gun. The whole point of them doing it there is to give a middle finger to your law. That's why they did it. You know, back in 1984, when that gentleman went into that McDonald's and killed all those innocent people, including an eight-month-old baby and a couple eight- and nine-year-olds, kids were killed, kids, kids, right, effortlessly. He did it effortlessly and without remorse. He did not care. It did not matter to him. It did not bother him that maybe some of those people in there had just stopped by McDonald's to grab something real quick and then head back home and be with their family or they were celebrating something. Or maybe they just wanted to spend time together or maybe they just wanted to be outside. He did not care. He didn't even care if McDonald's had a law or a restriction or anything about having a gun in the restaurant. He did not care. That is the bottom line. Point blank, period. 
So if you're an avid gun owner and you like having your gun, I'm happy for you. But there's a different conversation between owning a gun versus gun control. We have a problem with gun control. We have people who are getting guns that should not be. And we're trying to figure out how are all these guns getting into our communities? Because why? You could buy the parts online and then you could make your base, your center, the main chamber with a 3D printer. And here goes Ron DeSantis saying, hey, everybody, you could walk around if you're a lawful, abiding citizen with a concealed weapon. Yippee! Come on, man. And this is after he decided it was not a good idea to teach black history in schools. There's many things this man has been doing to purport white supremacy. And, and you know, we say all these things about diversity, equity, inclusivity, and belonging, but we can't let stuff like this happen and expect things to change. And if you think you don't have the power to affect the change, you're wrong. You're very wrong. You taking a minute to write or to challenge is a big, big difference. Taking a minute to make a phone call and saying, hey, listen, we need this to change. Reach out to your people right here in whatever state you're in and say, look, I'm seeing what's happening over there and I don't like it. But you know what I think a part of the problem is too? One of the things with COVID is it put us in this space where it took out so much of our space. We had so much loss, confusion, and everything else. Some of us forgot what, what life was like before COVID. Some of us don't remember. Some of us don't want to remember. And some of us don't know. Okay? And some of us just did not, you know, feel a need to look past or forward. We just don't. We, we dealt with COVID and we forgot about everything seemingly that happened before COVID. You got to think about what community was like before COVID. Let me tell you something. When black and brown people organize, the government gets nervous. And that's exactly what was happening right before COVID. Black and brown people were organizing. We were tired of the mass shootings. We were tired of marching. We were tired of chanting. And we were taking the streets and they got nervous. You know, the years after that, right, we had to play this touch and go, is it safe to reopen society? Okay, we're only going to open certain sections. Okay, we're only going to do this. Okay, you have to have this. So we didn't really have an opportunity to really be back in society until right, right now. And that's what makes what's happening in Florida even scarier. Because now people are planning their vacations again. They're saying, okay, I'll go visit my family. Okay, I'll go take the family down there. Whatever the case may be. Maybe I'll just go by myself. Maybe I might be on a business trip. But now I have to walk around with a bulletproof vest because now y'all said it's okay for people to walk around with a concealed weapon. And you expect me to be comfortable with that. What's to stop somebody from seeing me walking around and shooting me in the face just because? I mean, they just killed that black man just because. But you don't see the media covering that. Why? Because it will create the level of movement that they want to prevent. Let's not forget we also had, I believe, he's in, uh, either in the Carolinas or Virginia, one of those places, Sherelle, a uh, Republican, and he's all for reinstating hanging. He sees nothing wrong with that. He likes lynching. This is in 2023. I'm not talking about in 1975. This is right now. But again, like I just said, a lot of people have distanced or disengaged with the news outlets. So, and some of us only taking the news as is. I'm not that kind of person. If I, you know, 
if I hear about something, yeah, I'll read up about it a little bit. But most times I'm looking up stories from different places because I want to know. I want to know. Because in my mind, I'm not surprised by what I'm seeing. You have to remember, the outcome of poverty is crime. You're going to have people running around trying to make ends meet. And you see, the people who profit from poverty will want to keep it that way because it's called what? The separation of wealth. And that's the biggest thing that COVID unveiled, the separation of wealth. So it makes sense that they would try to safeguard or even better, gatekeep information shared on mass media because you can't be successful creating a division and separating power and, you know, separating wealth if people know too much, right? Ron DeSantis was able to get support and he's able to function because he knew how to gatekeep that information and he knows how to get support because, believe it or not, white supremacy is on the rise. It is. There are more and more white power groups popping up every day. There are more and more white crimes, hate crimes happening. They're not being reported. We have Muslims who are being harassed, Asian people being harassed, indigenous women still missing. None of that, if it is reported, it's underreported, right? Florida is already home to so many mass shootings. So when you add the opportunity to walk around with a concealed weapon, and then you said, okay, not only do you get to walk around with a concealed weapon, but don't forget, we don't care about black history. This is a disaster waiting to happen. Again, Connecticut was a red state for a very long time. Very conservative over here. It's not that far-fetched for that mentality to be over here, especially since we know there's a lot of travel between Florida and the Northeast. So don't think just because it's happening over there, it wouldn't spread over there. No, 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 no. That's not how that works. But what we have to do collectively is get up and stand up and say enough is enough. And that's that. We need to handle it once and for all. And when you think that we don't need to do it, just remember I said this. Lynching is yet to be outlawed. Think about that. Let that sit for a second. Out of all the laws that we created, out of all the laws that we removed, out of all the lives lost to slavery, slave owners, all the murders, all the killings, I don't know if you knew this, but when slaves were taken from Africa, India, you know, and they were brought across in the ships, they weren't exactly on a cruise ship, you know, and you have to see, I mean, the way that they were laid down in the ships was just disgusting, just like planks of wood, really. Weren't allowed to use the bathroom. You weren't given anything to eat. You're traveling for days. We're not talking about a ride around the corner or a drive up the street. We're talking about days of travel without water, without, you know, being able to use the bathroom when you need to, without sun. And guess what? When the slaves um, died or got sick, they got thrown overboard like nothing, like nobody. And then when they got here, if you misbehave, you're made an example of. Some slave owners would do things like shoot guns at the, the feet of the slaves to make them dance because they thought that was funny. Some slave owners would shoot your arrow off if they felt like you you know, weren't listening. 
And, you know, it's not a secret that the police have been very trigger happy. One of the main causes of police brutality, main components, is a gun, right? Let's not forget our friend Adumo Diallo, young Guinean black immigrant man, came with his dreams and his hopes in a suitcase, thought he could come to New York and change his life. They shot at him 41 times. Why would you need to shoot at somebody going into a house 41 times? What did they do to you that you needed to shoot at them 41 times? And he's one of many stories. We've seen George Floyd call out for his mother, right? But let's not just think about that. Let's let's go to the Capitol now. I don't know if you had a chance to see this, but if you ever saw the footage of what happened at the Capitol on January 6th, to me it was really, really, really something else. You know why I watched it? Because I wanted to see what the police did. And it didn't surprise me. You had one officer to 28 people. And at no time did I see them use a gun or brute force, throw a smoke bomb, or tase anybody. I'm looking at it. I watched the the whole documentary, and I'm sitting here saying to myself, they're complaining about not having the amount of resources they needed to control the crowd because it was one officer to 28 people. But then you expect a teacher to stand in front of 50 kids and make it happen with nothing. You tell me what white supremacy looks like. And here you have Ron DeSantis promoting a war. And he's getting support. And he's promoting his conservative values. And he's successful because, you know what, he knows people aren't going to vote, so he could say what he wants. My question to you is, when are you going to take your power back? That's all I have for now. This has been the sound of black and brown. I want you to think about what I just said and feel free to reach out if you want to discuss this and other topics. This is CJ here for the sound of black and brown. Until next time, fist up, smile on.